Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. At the root of all sin is unbelief. It was unbelief that caused Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit. It was unbelief that caused the entire world outside of Noah and his family to be judged. And it was unbelief that caused Moses and all Israel, except for Joshua and Caleb, to perish in the wilderness. Today, part three, defending the faith, is the fate of unbelievers. Jude uses three examples, interesting ones, by the way, Israel, angels, and pagans. All unbelievers will experience some type of judgment. We're going to find out what type of judgment each will experience. Divided into three sections. First, we're going to talk about unbelieving Israel. Unbelieving Israel perished in the wilderness. You see, Israel was called out by God, Yahweh, to serve him, to be a kingdom of priests, to serve and worship Yahweh. And God rescued them from slavery to lead them into the promised land, which is Canaan. But Israel, even after experiencing miracle after miracle, did not trust God. They were unbelievers. And upon arriving at the foot of Canaan, Moses, what did he do? He sent 12 spies to survey the land. And instead of believing what God said, These spies came back and chose to believe their own eyes. And they said to everyone, we will never get this land. The land is filled with giants. We'll never overtake them. I know God can do anything. And I will never use the word never with God. Because God can do anything. You know, in 2008, this church was about to perish. The Gate Christian Bible Church. A giant had taken over the giant of sexual sin in our leadership. And the church was left to pick up the pieces. And to top it off, the leadership team had taken their eyes off of Jesus and were compromised by unbelief, which led to a split church. And we were in the wilderness, and I was ready to give up. I was ready to pack it up and go home. But I knew the vision for this church was from God. I knew the vision for the community center was from God. So I had a choice to make. Believe my own eyes or believe what God said. And I almost missed Canaan. But by the grace of God and the help of some godly men, we picked up the pieces and rebuilt. And what seemed insurmountable became just another mountain for God to move. What are you not believing God for? What seems so insurmountable that God can't move it? At the root of all sin is unbelief, but the fruit of blessing comes by faith. And sadly, too many Christians miss the blessing. They miss Canaan. They miss the promised land by denying the power of God. And Jude's exhortation in this letter to the church is do not be like Israel. Don't perish in the wilderness, and miss the promised land. This is what he writes. Though you already know this, church, 
I want to remind you that the Lord Jesus at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And because of their unbelief, an entire generation perished in the wilderness. Does that mean that they didn't go to heaven? Well, getting to heaven always will be about one thing, faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, Jude uses the word Jesus, Yeshu, in his verse. It's translated Lord, but it's Jesus. I want to remind you that Jesus delivered you out of Egypt. How cool is that? Jesus is active in the Old Testament, leading Israel out of Egypt. And Canaan is a type of heaven. Egypt is a type of hell. So God led Israel to the foot of Canaan, but they wouldn't believe. They packed their bags and perished in the wilderness. The writer of Hebrews says that they did not enter God's rest. Do you know it's impossible to have rest, spiritual rest, if you don't believe God? You'll be fighting against the very one who created you. See, in this case, just because someone was a member of Israel, the nation, didn't make them a member of God's Israel, his people. Just because they were circumcised outwardly did not mean that they were circumcised inwardly in the heart by faith. And the same is with us. Just because someone goes to church doesn't mean they're part of the church. Just because someone is a member of a Christian family and a Christian home doesn't mean they're a member of God's family. Tom Schreiner, who's a very well-known theologian, he says this about this passage. There's another sense in which the situation of Israel and Jude's readers is likely the same. The Israelites, destroyed in the wilderness, probably believed they were truly part of God's people, but their disobedience demonstrated otherwise. Similarly, some in Jude's community, who he wrote this letter to, may have thought they were genuinely part of God's people, but Jude insisted that they continue in faithfulness is the only way that they could demonstrate that. And those who apostatize fall away, reveal that they were not truly members of God's people. Responses to the warning to Israel reveal, retrospectively, who really belongs to the people of God. Don't take your faith for granted. Continue in faithfulness. Believe God, not only for your salvation, believe Him for everything. If God says so, do it. Stop believing with your eyes. Stop trusting your feelings over God's Word and start doing what God says. Don't miss the promised land. God is not finished with you. God is not finished with His church. Next. Jude speaks of unbelieving angels, believe it or not. First he uses Israel as a type of unbeliever, and now he uses angels, spiritual beings, as a type of unbeliever. Now the Bible tells us that in heaven there dwelt a wonderful creation, a beautiful angel named Lucifer. 
Lucifer means bringer of light. He was so beautiful that other angels noticed how beautiful this angel was. And they would tell Lucifer, man, you are so incredibly beautiful. And guess what Lucifer did? He started believing his own press. And then he said to himself, you know what? I'm going to make myself like the Most High God. In other words, he said, I'm so beautiful. Worship me. Well, God wasn't happy about that. So God decided, no, I'm the only God. So you're out of here. Goodbye, Lucifer, and kicked him out of heaven, along with a third of the angels who followed Lucifer, and his name became Satan, the accuser, the devil. And his fallen angels are known as demons. Here's the point of that. Just because they were angels, and just because they actually saw the living God, with their eyes, they were still given free will to choose to believe or to rebel. Unbelieving angels await God's judgment. Jude writes this, And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Now, as I said at the beginning of this series, Jude refers to passages and events that other New Testament writers do not. In fact, later, In a couple weeks, we're going to talk about his reference to the book of Enoch, which is nowhere referenced in the Bible. His reference here to these angels who did not keep their positions of authority might be related to what Enoch wrote in his book. Now, if you looked at Genesis chapter 6, look at that one day. It's a very strange incident. Something strange happens. Look what happens in verse 2 of Genesis 6. The sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. This passage is difficult to understand and interpret because do the sons of God mean angelic beings, as Jude's audience would understand it? Or are the sons of God believers and the daughters of humans unbelievers, as I and other theologians might understand it? Now, Jude obviously was trying to make a reference to chapter 6 of Genesis in the way he felt his audience understood it, which would be that the sons of God refers to angelic beings who had sex with humans, producing a race of people known as Nephilim who were giants in the land. So when Jude is writing here, he's probably referring that the heavenly beings abandoned their proper dwelling, heaven, and came down and started having sexual relations with humans. And this was despicable, obviously, to God. And it was the last straw. And therefore, it led him to release a great flood on the earth and destroy the entire earth, all the beings on the earth, except for Noah and his family who are on the ark, and the animals. So Jude uses this example to express the fact that anyone who rebels, whether angels, Israel, or later we're going to talk about people of Sodom and Gomorrah, whoever rebels against God will be judged on that great day. What is that great day? It's the day of the Lord. It's a day in the future, a day of judgment. 
And the event is described in the book of Revelation chapter 20. It's the great white throne judgment when all unbelievers whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life will be thrown along with Satan and his minions into the eternal lake of fire and they will be judged according to their deeds. Now we, as believers, will be judged according to Christ's deeds. Christ's deeds are good and righteous. Our deeds are not. But for those who have placed their faith in Christ, the Bible says we have put on Christ. We have put on his righteousness. He took our place on the cross so that we could take his place and be with him in heaven forever. Jude's letter is a rebuke against unbelievers, but it's really in the context he's talking about the false teachers and the fake Christians who have crept in unnoticed into the congregation. There are those who claim to be believers, but they're not believers. In fact, they deny the very name of Jesus, and they attempt to mess with you, mess with your mind, and teach you false doctrines and heresies. Be careful of these unbelievers who are actually in the church. Here's the thing. The spiritual realm is a real place. Satan and demons are real, and they are behind all the chaos, confusion, division, hatred, hypocrisy, and evil in this world, and sadly, in the church. But one day, and they along with others who rebel and disobey and do not believe in God will be eternally judged. Turn in your Bible to the letter of Second Peter, chapter 2 of Second Peter. Peter speaks of a similar thing here, and he says, false prophets who rose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the Master, Jesus Christ, who purchased them, bringing swift judgment upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and that word is the word I used a couple weeks ago, licentiousness. And because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned, and in their greed, they will exploit you, and they will use false words, and their judgment is not asleep. Remember I said, the church might be asleep, but God is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels, see here, when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to pits of darkness, were served for judgment, and he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven other people, and he brought a flood on the world, and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example of those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, and if he rescued Lot, oppressed by licentious conduct of unprincipled men, which, by the way, if you read that story about Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis, they're angelic beings who show up to have sexual relationships with the men in the house. And then verse 9, Then the Lord, who knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. 
There's going to be a day of judgment against unbelievers, including angels. Now, that should bring fear and concern to unbelievers. But for believers, it should bring comfort to know that all the stuff and all the bad things that are happening right in front of our eyes in this world will be dealt with by God, who is a righteous judge. And Satan's followers, the people who have followed him into the darkness, the realm of darkness, will be judged and will be thrown into the lake of fire. This is important because God's people, God will revenge them. He will take vengeance upon those who have harmed his people. So those are two groups, Israel, who you would think would be believers, but just because they hung out with believers didn't make them believers. And then angels who saw God face to face and still rebelled against him. And the third group are unbelieving pagans or heathens. And these people are worshipers of other gods other than the true God. They're people of this world. They're sadly lost. They can be hostile towards Christians and believers. And they're under judgment, and they are enemies of God. Unbelieving pagans will be eternally punished. So again, Jude uses three examples. Israel, don't be like Israel, who perished in the wilderness due to unbelief. Believe God for everything. Don't be like angels who, like us, were given free will and saw God face to face and still rebelled. And then third, don't be like Sodom and Gomorrah, which is the world, the evil of the world. Don't be like heathens and pagans who shun the one true God and live lawless, evil lives outside of the grace of God. The evil of Sodom and Gomorrah is explained by Jude this way. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal life. That word perversion actually means strange flesh or unnatural desires. Last week, I spoke of false teachers and those who desire tickly air sermons. I also told you that the reason teachers who occupy Christian pulpits become false teachers is not that they want to do it, is that they fall into it by disregarding and compromising the Word of God and leaving out important passages and theological doctrines that are offensive and unpopular. They care more about what people think than what God says. Well, I'm going to end this sermon today by saying something that's very unpopular. Sexual perversion, including homosexuality, is a sin. This is not my opinion. It's God's law. It's an unnatural desire. It's strange flesh. And no one in Jew's audience would have questioned this. Just because something is unpopular doesn't make it less true. Sadly, the truth, though, has come into question recently because of a combination of depraved minds and false teaching. The truth is this, homosexuality, and when I use this word, I should also include sexual sins such as pedophilia, bestiality, pornography, and yes, even adultery, 
have become tolerated behavior. But God says that it is sin. It is unnatural and it will be judged just as Sodom and Gomorrah was judged. And people accept these behaviors, not just because of their depraved minds, but you will hear this excuse as to why it's okay. They'll say something like, if someone loves someone else, what right does someone else have to say that's wrong? But here's the thing, who defines love? I would say that the Bible says that God is love, and God is perfect love, and he says this is not right. This is unnatural. And look, I always have to say with a caveat, because people will automatically say, are you better than anybody else? No. I got my stuff. Spend a week with me at home. You'll see what I got. But I don't make it right because I got it. It's wrong. I mean, I have conversations all the time. Lord, I'm sorry. Thank you for your grace. What I did is wrong. But if you keep trying to sweep it under the rug, it ain't going to go away. God is love. God hates sin. So that means that true love should hate evil. I'm not a mega church pastor. I have a very limited audience. But I want to say this. I hope and pray that the size of my audience will never dictate my love for God and his word. If so, please take me out now. I'd rather be the guy that's arrested for standing up and defending the faith rather than cowering in fear and building this huge ministry and disregarding and compromising the word of God. And I'm not judging mega churches. That's what I'm saying. God uses all kinds of people. I'm just saying that when sin creeps in unnoticed like that, everything falls apart. Think about your marriage if you're married. Do you just allow sin to just walk around your house? Think about your kids. Do you allow just evil to just continue? At some point, you got to have a discussion. And the discussion needs to be built around the word of God. And that person has a choice. Everyone has a choice. But the angels saw God face to face and still chose to reject and rebel against him. That sadly is what happens. Because we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is wrong. And here's the thing. It just so happens that this passage speaks of this type of sin. And I'm not going to just throw it out and disregard it because I care more about what people think than what God says. Now we know, not only from biblical history, we know from world history that an actual place existed called Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a real place. And it's a real experience. And a real judgment. And the word sodomy originates from this historical place and event. And God says that it serves as an example of those who will suffer eternal punishment because they are outside the grace of God, because they have chosen to not believe and to reject God's forgiveness, which he offers to all people. You know, we live in a cancel culture. And there's only one thing that's going to be forever canceled. It's your sin if you believe in Jesus Christ. Because then you put on Christ and you will be judged in his clothes, not yours, thank God. I'm going to end by asking this, which unbeliever are you? Are you like Israel? 
Or are you like that person that would not believe a verse or believe something about what God says about them because they cared more about how they felt or what they thought or what was popular? Don't be like Israel. Don't be a part of the church physically, but not spiritually. Don't just go along for the ride. Don't perish in the wilderness due to unbelief. Receive Christ. And if you have received Christ, you've received his spirit, the Holy Spirit, who lives in you now. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. But start believing God for everything. Or are you like the angels in heaven who saw God, but yet rebelled against him? Don't be like them. You've seen God. Now worship him alone. And hopefully, you're not like the pagans and the heathens who live in Sodom and Gomorrah and are going to die in their sins. Put on Christ. Wear his righteousness. How do you put on Christ? You're going to believe in Christ. You're going to place your eternal faith in Christ. You're going to believe in his finished work on your behalf. And here's the thing. If you're in Christ, you have nothing to worry about except the problems of this life, which will eventually end, and you will go to be with him forever. Don't be an unbeliever. Believe God for everything. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are real and you actually exist and you have paid the price for our sins and you died on the cross for me as messed up as I am. I'm a broken person, Lord, but I'm whole in you. You say that in Christ we are a new creation and I believe that for me. I don't look at myself and look in the mirror and go, oh, I'm that old person. No, I look at me and I see a new person because you see a new person. I see someone who's not condemned because you say I'm not condemned. I believe someone who's received the Holy Spirit and has been born again because you say that's what happens when we place our faith in Christ for our eternal salvation. I believe that you provide a way out of any circumstance and there's no mountain that's too big for you to move. I believe, Lord, that you can heal and you do miracles to this day. I will never use the word that you can't do anything because you can do everything, Lord. And you choose to do it in your time for your glory. It's not about my glory. Like Lucifer, he thought it was about him. It's not about him. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about what your word says. And it's about living and defending the faith so that we stand up as a church and be the light in the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me-